Now, I want to um, kick off the, today, the message for today, just uh, having a little think about something. How do you identify yourself? You know, how do you describe yourself to somebody else when, they, um, when you first meet them? You know, do you use your name? Is that the first point of call? You go, hi, I'm Simon. Maybe you might want to describe yourself a little bit more than just, hi, I'm Simon. Well, not that most people... Any, any other Simons in the building? No, well, that's OK, because nobody knows that what it's like to be a Simon then. So you'd have to describe yourself in your own way anyway. So, but, you know, see, you might actually go, well, actually, I'm from Australia. You might use your nationality. I'm an Australian. Have you, have you ever noticed, you know, on the forms that you have to fill out that talk about your nationality? That it's not just Australian, that it's like um, a, you know, your, your heritage background, so to speak. Have you seen those ones? You know, are you Italian, you're Anglo-Celtic, you're Irish, you you know, have you seen those? Have you noticed why, why, how it's really quite um, funny that, that we're no longer, we're not actually Australian, we're actually uh, subsets within Australia? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a, um, I, I, you know, and I really hate those forms where you go, you know, because I'm a seventh-generation Australian. You know, I've, I've, my family has been here for seven generations, yet I'm still classified under that um, uh, Anglo-Celtic, British, Irish kind of heritage. Although my family has been doing some research and there may be some Aboriginal heritage in there, so I don't know where I fit. But I'm Australian. I'm not these other things. It's how we define ourselves, isn't it? It's the group that you're in and the group that you're not in. We define it that way. Another thing, have you ever thought about how people define themselves and how people talk about who they are and what kind of person they are? You know, and, and this is not a, a, a tag that I would use for myself to describe myself, but I understand it and I realise it. I'm actually a privileged white guy. How many people would fit into that category as being a privileged white guy? I've got a university education. Uh, I'm in the middle class of society. Um, I've got enough money to be able to do what I want. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a male. That makes a big difference. Um, you know, I'm white. You know, that makes a big difference too. Um, and I'm not too young and I'm not too old. I'm in that privileged space, you know, early 50s for me, but, you know, that might be moving into that older category where you're not quite as privileged, but that's what it is. But I don't go around saying that I'm a privileged white guy. You know, hi, Simon, I'm a privileged white guy. Great to meet you. I don't think that's the way you kind of introduce yourself, but yet lots of people will actually go when they first meet me, oh, you are a privileged white guy because you're male, you're educated, you've got these things going on. Maybe you define yourself by the location you live. You know, I live in Cronulla. What a fantastic place to live. You know, beaches just around the corner, cafe shops down there. Just wander, enjoy the place. Maybe you define yourself by um, the team you support. You know, our Prime Minister uh, is number one fan of which football club? Cronulla Sharks. You might define yourself that way. Or maybe you might define yourself about who you don't belong to, who you are not like. You know, I'm not like them. You define yourself by the negative. 
You know, I don't like those people, I'm not like them. And you define yourself that way. We often do it when we include ourselves in a group, we actually exclude ourselves from another group. You know, hi Simon, I'm from Cronulla. You know, and, and this is not negative in when I do that, but I've actually just I'm identified myself as a resident of Cronulla, but I've excluded everybody else who's not a resident from Cronulla. You know, I'm saying oh, my identity is located in this space with who I am, and I'm excluding other people. You don't do it, you know, uh, negatively. There's no under negative undertones by all of this. But often we do it and we don't, don't realise it and we make other people feel uncomfortable when we do this. And this is where extreme nationalism comes into. We define ourselves by who we are at the exclusion of other people. And that's when it gets ugly and divisive. See, how we identify ourselves, how we understand ourselves is incredibly important and to actually understand our identity is critical for who we are. To understand our identity in Christ Jesus is vital as a Christian, as believers. And today as we celebrate the baptism of Jack, we also realise that this, this act is also claiming an identity in Christ. It is actually saying that we are united with believers all across the world united in the grace extended through Jesus Christ's salvation. This is an important reality check for us. You know, whenever we decide to identify ourselves, to actually understand who we are, and as specifically as Christians who understand who we are in Christ, we also need to recognise who we are without Christ. And if we actually go to the Bible, and we're going to do this in just a moment, we're going to go into Ephesians and have a look at that, you will understand without Christ you are dead. But we need to understand what that actually means. And here's the thing. When we're talking about dead in the scriptures as it's coming for us at the moment, in the Bible as it's looking to us that we're going to read in the moment, dead means separation. Now, physically dead means you're separated from life, you're separated from your family, you're separated from everything else. But we also talk about a spiritual separation, that when we are dead... We are separated from God. We are separated from the loved ones. And it's actually, as we read this, and as we read about being dead, we should put in place that it means that we are separated from God. We are separated from the love of God when we are dead. So this is really important. So the opposite to death is what? If death is separation, the opposite to death is unity, to be joined together, to come together, to have life to be as a family, not to be separated. So when we, when we talk about being alive in Christ, we are no longer dead, but we are alive because we're joined together with God. So I'm going to share with you from the book of Ephesians, and we're, at this moment we're in the third of our series looking at the book of Ephesians, and we're up to chapter 2, and we're going to look at chapter 2 today and actually try and understand for us how I, our identity in Christ is fulfilled and known because we are united with Christ. We have come together with Christ. Now, identity is found in that because we are alive, we are not separated. So I'm going to put it up on the screen for us. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 to 6, and I just want to share this with you. 
But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, we are separated because of our sins from God, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So it wasn't what we did, it's what God did. If only by God's grace, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead, from being separated, along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We are brought together with Christ. Because of what Christ has done means we are no longer separated from God. Because of what Christ has done means we are no longer separated from life everlasting. It's what God has done for us. And this is what we celebrate. We celebrate it in baptism and we talk about that we're dead to our old self and life being brought to life again in the new self. We're being separated from God but we're being drawn back in because of what Christ has done. And then Ephesians goes on and the, the Apostle Paul is talking and, and talking to the church in Ephesus. This is a letter to a church to encourage them, to uphold them, to lift them up. But he's also talking to each and every one of us today that we may understand this. And one of my favourite verses in all of the Bible is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I love it because it talks about who we are, who we are in God's eyes, that we are brought close together, for we are God's masterpiece. And I absolutely love that. As a description of who we are, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. God wants us to be in close relationship with him. But we have walked away. We've separated ourselves from God. But God, we are God's masterpiece and he wants us to come close together. He's created us anew in Christ. What a wonderful way to be described. You know, has any, anybody up, come up to you and talked about your identity going, you are God's masterpiece? You know, for me, Simon, you are God's masterpiece. Put yourself into that phrase. You are God's masterpiece. Place your name in there and say, I am God's masterpiece because God has won me through Jesus Christ. How wonderful. And then Paul goes on to further explain what it means to have our identity by being united with Christ. Not being by separated, but being united in Christ. And I just want us to, to go through this passage, to explore this a little bit, to hear what Paul is saying to each and every one of us today as he said back to the church there. Don't forget, and, I, and I'll go and explain this as I go along, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. So, so when, we talk, when the Bible's talking about Gentiles, they're talking about people who were not Jewish. Basically, you know how it talked about having identity? Those who are in and those who are out. The Gentiles were the people who were out. Those who were in were the Jewish people and they, they were identified as God's chosen ones. And everybody else, the Gentiles, were outsiders. They were outside. They, they were others. So don't forget that you Gentiles, all those that used to be outsiders, you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. 
Notice, notice they've done a definition of what it means to be outside. And it's a physical characteristic. We do that as well. We make people outside our group because of physical characteristics. Yet what happens is God draws us together. He doesn't separate it. He draws us together. He unites us. You were excluded. Sorry, let me go back. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not... And you did not know the covenant promise God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So there's the exclusion. This is what's happened. And so often when we look at society and people who are excluded from being in, they live without hope. They want what the other group has. And we want to come close to God. But now you have been united Notice the word united, been brought together, bound together, come together. You've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. See, coming close to God is not through any other means other than what Jesus has done for us. God wants us to be close and knows that we can't do it ourselves, but he's done it for us already through Christ. For Christ himself brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles. He united the two people who were separated and he united them into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commands and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. It was no more. Isn't this amazing? He broke down the walls. He broke down the barriers. Christ is the one that breaks down the barriers of separation. Christ breaks down the barriers of death. He gives us life. He draws us together. It is through Christ. And we come together as one body. But see, the thing is, they don't talk about being one as being the same. They talk about the one as being united. Not uniform, but united. Drawn together. We all have our own each unique personal characters. We each have our own unique personal way of doing things, but God loves us. God thinks we're all masterpieces and wants us to come close to him and he draws us together in that space with our differences, with our different backgrounds. doesn't matter what box you ticked on nationality, God wants you. doesn't matter which way you identify yourself, God wants you to be close to him. doesn't matter how you have seen yourself, whether you think you're not worthy, God wants you to be close. He wants to draw you close again. So let us pray. Let us come to this point. And let us ask for God to draw us close again. That we may not be separated. We may not be divided. So let's just pray together. Our Lord, we pray that we may be united in Christ. As believers as a church, as individuals. 
may we not have division, but may we show the love and grace of God to those around us. May we know that we are fully loved. May we know this with truth and grace, that God is there for us, drawing us close again. May we continue to grow in our unity with our Lord Jesus Christ. And may we pray, may we say each time to those about us, may we have the power of the Holy Spirit so that we may know our identity, our true identity, the one that is found in Christ Jesus. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.